That's what we need to do. Let's check in on Brady Aiken and Mark Appel. Oh, Brady Aiken's an A-ball at age 20 with a 410 ERA and 528 FIP. Poor guy. Strikeout per nine, 5.7. Ugh. Hello and welcome to the Ground Control Podcast. This is episode 42. We're recording this live on Saturday, June 15th, 2017. I am your host, Ryan Dunsmore, and with me, as always, is Chris Perry. Hello. So, Chris, I have to ask you, we're just coming off the All-Star break. I know that it became a a normal thing to watch in my household, but did you watch the All-Star game? I watched most of it. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, it was disappointing that the Astros did zero, um, except for a nice inning from Devo, but um, it's still fun. I always enjoy the uh, All-Star game, but I enjoy it a lot more now that it's meaningless because they could have fun with the broadcast again. Well, I won't say they did anything. I, I, I will take – I want to put it on equal level of Devo's clean inning against a round of All-Stars of George Springer spending an entire half of an inning – talking to a national audience after overcoming a, a stint of uh, stuttering through most of his life. Right. I mean, yeah, and it's impressive. It really, really is. And I'm, I'm not saying this to take away from that part of it, but that was really well covered in the media and, and totally deserved. But uh, aside from the fact that he overcame that challenge, um, I, I found him interesting and fun to listen to. Uh, I, you know, when he talks, he, he reminds me, uh, not in not of Lance Berkman in the in the way that Lance Berkman used to be incredibly frank with the media, but only in the sense that uh, when when Lance Berkman was interviewed, he you never really knew what he was going to say. He never went to a cliche, and uh, Springer didn't either. He was fun to listen to, and it was really a sharp contrast with when they interviewed Bryce Harper, who did speak in a lot of cliches. Oh my God, what a contrast that was. So painfully, like, oh, I was awkward. I'm like, I've been talking to the media since I'm 16. Like, yeah, it it, I think you had a very good comparison, a kind of contrast of of maybe how I would describe it as Lance Berkman's a guy that always has been kind of the the jock with always with the right kind of answers all the time. And George Springer is kind of like the ugly duckling in a way of just saying (laughs) not not in a bad way of just saying he's he's come from a different place. And now he's kind of like. Yeah, I know where I'm. I'm humble about everything. I guess maybe that's maybe where the word is. Maybe I'm projecting yeah. this onto him, but I just it seemed like that's like he's generally having fun out there, and, and he doesn't mind showing it. And you know, to me, um, I just don't like listening to the cliches. So if you got a professional athlete that actually will speak intelligently, answer questions and ask questions back and, and have a little fun with it. That makes them more endearing to me. And I don't know if you remember, uh, was it last year, a couple years ago when Chris Archer was on the broadcast in the oh, postseason, yeah. and he was fascinating to listen to because not one cliche, he just was talking about baseball. Um, I felt that way with Springer too. And it was really great that they featured him. So we can we we can trade for Chris Archer so we can get him talking in part of his like regular press conferences so we can get that all the time right. You know, not to digress too much, but why do people still bring him up in trade scenarios? He's not available. Because the Rays the Rays have a good team and he's got the best contract in baseball. He's not going to get traded. Boys, well, well, I agree. I I think it comes down to where he is. If he was well, if he was an Oakland A, the same thing would happen. If he was Florida, Florida uh, Marlin, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where these. You always know they're one half step away from rebuilding. I mean, maybe, but even if they are rebuilding, his contract is so ridiculously cheap that he'd be a cornerstone of a rebuild, not a trade piece. Right, but they, these teams always seem to make that deal. It's like, why would you do that kind of thing? Maybe, maybe. I mean, the Rays haven't done a whole lot of that lately. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I got your point. But the thing is, I, he's not getting traded. It's just silly. I agree. Um, but yeah, it's. It, it, I'm sure you enjoyed talking about Dallas Cowboy football during the the uh, baseball game, right? Oh, was... I wanted to claw my eyes out, then my ears, and then the rest of my senses. I guess I should start with the ears because that would make more sense because then I wouldn't have to listen to it. But yeah, why was Bryce Harper talking about the Dallas Cowboys during the All-Star game? That was really uncomfortable. 
Oh, you know, I, the first thing I thought of when I heard them start doing all the little spiel at the beginning of the game, it's like, you can turn on the SAP button. I was like, well, let me work on my Spanish. <laughs> I didn't see it, but I wish I'd thought to look on Twitter at the time to see if there were any Redskins fans totally melting down because their hometown boy was talking about the Dallas Cowboys. I wouldn't be shocked. I didn't ask my dad about it. I should have. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but he was an Orioles fan, so I don't know how much of supporting or he cares about the Nationals. Um, let's talk about uh, – I want to do a little quick segment here just because we happen to be right after the, the midseason mark here and we – wires crossed a bit here. We didn't do a, a podcast before the All-Star game. Let's talk about midseason awards here. And I want to at some point here at the beginning of the, at the end of the year, I want to get, get some na- different names and MVP and Cy Young and Rookie of the Year for us. I want to designate – Astros historical players to these names and this award may be called the Jose Altuve award by the year's end uh, <laughs> but but who would you give the MVP if, uh, this year just through that, the halfway mark well it, that's tough um, you know there's an age old question even written and you know chiseled into cave walls back when they used to hit rocks with sticks about whether an MVP award should be given to the best player or to truly the most valuable, the guy that you really don't know if the team could be so successful without him. Um, so if I'm giving it to just the best player, hands down, it has to go to, to Jose Altuve. Um, he's just been the best player on the team of very great players. If you want to start talking about who has been invaluable to the Astros this year, who they absolutely could not have done it without. Um, there's two guys that come to mind, and they're kind of odd. Actually, I tweeted about this earlier in the day, and I got a lot of mockery about it. But really, if you stop and think about it, Marwin Gonzalez has a solid argument for MVP on the team. If he goes away, who plays all of those positions when nobody else can? Who's the injury fill-in? Who's the guy who who's going to come in and provide a 165 weighted runs created plus? Uh, he is the guy who, even though the Astros would be way over 500 and would still be in first place without him, I think Marwin as a Gonzalez is the reason why they've been able to slam the door on the rest of the division by mid-May. Um it's pretty tough to argue that the Astros would be, you know, anywhere close to this good it, without without somebody doing what Marwin does. And the other guy, as far as most valuable is concerned, you got to start talking about Mike Fires as well. With all the injuries to the rotation, he really stepped up and kind of grabbed the entire pitching staff and carried them along for what six weeks while everybody was all banged up. Um, neither of those two guys really are the best players on the team, although Marwin actually has a solid argument. Um, but they both have interesting cases if you wanted to approach it from a value standpoint. Okay, I'm going to go with a guy, different guy. Okay. Because not at just trying to figure out some happy medium between the best player on the team and the most valuable player on the team here. Uh, I'm just trying to, after spending an entire NBA season trying to have that that narrative flipped flipped and flopped and changed over the past two years to the point where James Harden never is going to win an MVP award. Um, sorry, not, not not a bitter about Argument that at all. Just... Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with George Springer, and the reason Good I'm going to go with George Springer is not because you you've already laid it out here. Jose Altuve is the best player on this team, and Marvin Gonzalez has truly been is most invaluable player on this team. But George Springer is the guy that has put up the biggest difference. He has taken his game to a whole nother level. May that simply be that he has been healthy or been able to play consistently uh, at a consistent level uh, with that health this season. But George Springer has been an all-star level player. And that's not even in discussion. If you'd taken out the fan vote, I don't think there would have been even a question that he would have still been in the starting outfield uh, for the American League uh, because he does everything. He is a true five-tool player, and he is a truly special player at the top of the lineup for an offense that has been one of the greatest in, in years. I mean, in the wild card era, there's probably only a handful of better offenses right now than the Astros have been playing so far, and the reason that has been – everything's been – going so well so far has been George Springer at the top of the lineup. 
Yeah, I mean, he's a, he, you're right. He's a legit MVP candidate so far. You know, everybody was screaming and yelling about um, Aaron Judge's home runs, his, what, 30, 29 home runs, 30 home runs by the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. His Springer had 27. It's not like he was light years behind him. Um, George Springer is a guy that if he played for, for the Red Sox, he'd be the most popular player in the league. I'm fully convinced of that because of his personality, the way he plays and how, you know, how well he plays. So now I'm not going to argue against that. I mean, there's, there's three or four guys that have solid arguments on this team. Even Josh Reddick has a decent argument, um, for that. And don't forget, I'm the guy who two years in a row now has picked George Springer preseason to be the team MVP. So I'm not going to argue too hard about that. So, but looking down the road to the next section, um, who have you got for the Cy Young on the team? That's even tougher. Um, I think the easiest answer for me would be who's had the most impact and been the most, who's who's done the most of gone above and beyond of what he's been called upon. I'm going to say that's Chris Davinsky. and that's not Ooh. not taking something away from from. Mike Fires or Lance McCullers or Dallas Keigel. But the Astros have somebody in Chris Davinsky that is truly special. That is a guy that is that has been able to roll out there and take two innings whenever called upon and just dominate. And, I mean, there's there has been so much talk about when Andrew Miller during the playoffs and how much of an impact he has. The Astros basically had a guy that, they, that could have been picked off of the Rule 5 draft and now has become that kind of weapon for the Astros, it is truly will be very important for them team to have a guy like that when it comes to playoff time. I want to rock your world here for a second, um, and not in a kinky way. That didn't sound right. But did you know that there is a pitcher on the Astros staff that has more innings pitched and a lower ERA than Chris Davinsky and has the same war? Are, are you using ERA ERA to to ERA, ERA is a fine stat for looking into the past. It's only useless when looking into the future. Is it better ERA, more innings pitched, and the same WAR as Chris Davinsky? And his name is your buddy Brad Peacock. So I think if we're going to talk about a reliever being MVP, how about the guy that came in as a journeyman, age twenty nine? blew the doors off of the league as a reliever doing the same kind of thing, coming in more than multiple innings. And then when he's thrown into the rotation, when all the injuries happen, he does even better. So here we were all thinking at the beginning of this year, hey, Peacock should have been in the bullpen all along because look how good he is in a bullpen. We know we never want to see him as a starter again. Then he goes back into the rotation and keeps destroying batters. So I'm not saying Davinsky's a bad pick. My pick would be Lance McCullers because in 91 innings, he's got an you know ERA of 3.05. He's been awesome. But if we're going to talk about Chris Davinsky as a possible Cy Young candidate for the team, we have to throw Brad Peacock into that same conversation. I think Davinsky's been more high profile, but Peacock has legitimately been better this year. Fair, fair. Uh, maybe it's just the fact that he's been in the rotation so long that I've kind of yeah. I've, well, I've I was surprised. I only just now re- realized that as I was considering this list. But yeah, no, I think the uh, I think both those guys would be an interesting selection here. I think that that Keiko and McCullers have just as much a, a say in it. And I mean, you could also bring back the guy you talked about earlier, Mike Fires, and say has his run in July or June and July really done enough to warrant the award as well to the point where it was when the Astros needed it the most. Well, you realize um, that Brad Peacock moving into the rotation probably cost him an all-star appearance. Yeah. He had a 110 ERA before he went into the rotation, and in the rotation it was 3.18, which is awesome. But if he'd stayed in that bullpen, he could very well have been better than Davinsky, and he'd have been in the all-star game either also or instead of. You know what cost uh, Marwin a uh, all-star spot? No position wasn't on the ballot. Well, not that because I'm sure the coaches or the the MLB would have voted him in. But you know what the big change that that, that you already referred to, the fact that it doesn't count anymore. They took two roster spots away. Ah, uh, yep. So, and not saying that he would have gotten those two final spots because he could have been in the final vote. 
But I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have put it past them. Finally, say, hey, those numbers are are pretty impressive, and said, hey, let's get just give one of these token spots at the end to to uh, Marwin. Yeah, no, he was totally deserving. That was a an unfortunate. I don't want to call it a snub because that would take away from some of the other guys. But it is difficult to see some of the guys like Francisco Lindor had no business being on an All Star roster this year. You know, neither did. Um, uh, Ender Enciarte for the Braves. I mean, these guys have been good, but they're on the rosters for, you know, either there weren't better options at the position or because a, a team had to have a token player or something. Um, and so it was unfortunate towards the end of the game when the bench guys were getting into the game, just seeing, you know, guy after guy come up to the plate and going, that should be Marwin, that should be Reddick, you know. The thing you take out of this is is that the, one of the changes they had is that now MLB itself is going to be helping make some of these selections, and that's all about marketing the league. And that's yes. that's why you're going to see Lindor. That's why you see Dylan Batanzas get in instead of Chris Davinsky right off the bat. It's the names that are pushing the dial. It's there's there's a set of information that the league has and says these guys move the dial. And that's why you have Aaron Judge crammed down your throat oh, after gosh. three months of him being successful. He is what are they going to do if he league. turns out to be just a guy? I'm not saying I'm not saying he will. I'm just saying, what are they going to do after all this hype if he turns out just to be a guy? I just want to be like Mike Trout's. Like, I'm is my chopped liver now. Like, you guys didn't ever pimp me out this hard. And geez, I'm three <laughs> times the player this kid is. Exactly. Oh well. Well, I, the the one other award I feel like is kind of de facto because I was kind of running down the list and realizing how few all, uh, rookies the Astros have on the roster. It's, it's rookie of the year for mid, midway season here, Yuri Gurriel, and uh, no one else really. Yeah, pretty much has to be. I mean, James Hoyt, I guess, is the only other guy I could, I could find right off the top of my head, maybe if I'm <laughs> forgetting somebody. Uh, No, Musgrove doesn't qualify anymore. Martes hasn't been nearly good enough. Um, Paulino has been a disaster and then was suspended. So, guess, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's talk about that for Paulino. Just get over that. Really. Is there anything I mean, outside of the, it sucks that he has an any game suspension here. Is it just more, this is affects this current year's Astro another arm down any more than anything else than that. Yeah, to me, it's disappointing because remember last year he was suspended for unspecified team conduct violations. And then he had the injury history before that. And, you know, I'm, I'm, he has so much potential, but I'm not seeing it realized either in performance or theoretically maturity. I mean, I don't know the guy, but these kind of issues don't happen by accident. Um, the the miss there's two two things that are unfortunate about this the first one is obviously for him as a player is you wonder if this is going to set him back even further than he was already set back after all of those injuries and other suspensions the second thing is the Astros are in a playoff race you know and he's a top 100 prospect and has been for you know, a couple years and before then he was well thought of but hurt and they with his suspension, I believe that the Astros have lost a significant and meaningful trade piece that they would have had if he hadn't been suspended, regardless of the fact that he was pitching like crap this year. Um, I think he, a guy like Paulina, who's already in the major leagues, had a sky-high ceiling, uh, would have been an attractive piece for the Astros to deal away, um, and probably actually one of the better pieces for them to deal away. But it, it, this is going to kill that possibility. What are you saying? The Astros don't have to trade away Francis Martes or Kyle Tucker in every single trade? <sighs> Do you hate me? No. Seriously. No, I, 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 I just, It's funny because um, I just like that's, I, that's, I love baseball trade talk and I love baseball offseason because of all the, the intrigue and interest of who's moving where. It's, it's the most interesting offseason of all the sports, in my opinion. But. Oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm getting old or what, but some of the the speculation that has gone on this off season, this trade season has just been some of the worst I've ever seen. Ah. Well, I I think it's ridiculous to to say uh, looking at let's say the Jose Quintana deal for the Cubs. Uh, that was an overpay by the way. 
Right. It, it, I, I think that's what really what I'm trying to get to is more just the saying that there is not a deal that's going to happen unless let's put out the pipe dream of, of, of Chris Archer or something like that. There is literally a short list of maybe Chris Archer and that's it that are going to require Francis Martez and Kyle Tucker both to be sent away. I think that's that's probable. I think everybody's going to ask. I'm not going to say that it won't be the complete part of the deal. There won't be more prospects, but I don't think there's any deal that Jeff Luna is going to pull the trigger on. It's going to include both. I, I agree, and I, I think the uh, the Cubs could possibly regret this. Um, Quintana has not been pitching well, um, and it's not like he's expensive, and he's still a good pitcher even if he's not great. But man, Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease, those are some really really good prospects and they aren't like you know light years away with you know questionable floor type prospects these are good prospects um it's i mean those two guys are probably arguably better than a tucker martes combo and and i don't agree with the idea that that trades like that set the market um there's always goofball trades i remembered when you know the athletics acquired uh, Samarja and Hamill from the Cubs, um, how much they paid to get them. They, you know, paid Addison Russell, who was a top five prospect at the time, plus more. Um, but then that same, that same trade season, the, the Astros were able to acquire Jeff, or man, I'm struggling today, Scott Casimir for basically nothing. So I don't, I don't believe that the Jose Quintana deal sets the market, but I do agree with you that. I believe the Astros, I think they mean it when they say things like Tucker and Forrest Whitley are untouchable. Um, I don't think, and that's all along why I never thought we would be able to get a player like Jose Quintana or Chris Archer back. Right. What I want to do now here is run through some guys because it seems like the Astros, everywhere they've gone uh, recently, they've been attached to whatever the frontline starter is for the uh, for the opposing series, the, uh, the opposing team in the series. Accurate. Most, most recently, it's been Toronto. And the, before the All-Star break, it was Marcus Stroman, uh, Jay Happ, Ozuna, Rays. And now recently, we're getting some more wild ones of Jacob deGrom, Jeff Samarja. I guess what – I think that we have, I feel like there's an easy market here saying, okay, Stroman and deGrom are on the high end of things. Well, yes. Here's the thing. Let's let's think back to to all the pitchers over the past two months that fans have linked the Astros to. Okay, Garrett Cole, Chris Archer, Jose Quintana, Marcus Stroman, Jacob Degrom, Sonny Gray. I mean, those guys just don't get traded very often. You know, Jose Quintana. It's kind of a strange deal. You don't usually get pitchers his age that are under that much team control. Okay, but the White Sox are going nowhere, and they got a haul for him. But you don't see pitchers like Stroman and Degrom and Cole getting traded midseason because they're still under team control for three or four more years. And so there's a couple things that that prevent that from happening. First of all, their price would be otherworldly, as we could tell by the Quintana trade. But second of all, what is the incentive for the controlling team to trade those players? Look at the Mets, for example. Okay, The Mets aren't good, but they're not so bad that it looks like that they're five years away from being competitive. They would have to be three or four or five years away from being competitive for it to make any sense for them to trade their ace pitcher. There, there is no incentive for the Mets to trade DeGrom. He's one of the guys they would build around, not trade away to initiate a complete teardown. You can say the same thing about Garrett Cole. You could say the same thing about Marcus Stroman. The Toronto Blue Jays are not going to trade Marcus Stroman. They might trade Jay Happ. So that's part of my frustration with all of this trade talk is not only do you see names like DeGrom hitting the airwaves with fans or irresponsible reporters just speculating, but then you see things like fans saying, yeah, we want DeGrom, so let's trade Alex Bregman and Kyle Tucker and Francis Martes and maybe a couple other people and a player named later for DeGrom. And the reason I want to defenestrate somebody when they say that, look it up, is because that is such a disgustingly gross and hilarious overpay that even though the Mets don't want to trade DeGrom anyway, 
they would take that and they would take it laughing all the way to their next playoff series. It's the typical fans or the, the fans that, that post on Twitter or our message boards and everything have no understanding whatsoever of player value. And they just see there's a guy who's pitching really well right now and he's young. Let's pay everything we have guys who are either two years away or guys who are struggling right now, like right, like Bregman and just get rid of all those guys. and We'll bring in an ace and it just doesn't work that way ever, ever. Is really Alex Bregman struggling that hard? No, he's not. That's another that's another misperception that I keep reading. The other thing is, too, Alex Bregman has more trade value than Jacob DeGrom. I'm sorry, he just does. He was the second pick of the draft. He's he's really good. Oh, you got me all fired up now. I wasn't trying to. <laughs> I was just I, – I, I saw on the the Mets SB Nation side of the, the subhead of when this rumor came out of what did the Mets do first? Did they laugh or hang up? I'm just like uh, seriously. Okay, I mean, oh, I mean, gosh. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that that's not correct because I mean, Jacob Degrom does have serious value now. Do how do you how does that turn into something else? That's a whole other conversation. But just like this is getting ridiculous, guys. The Astros. I mean, but but Ryan, it's 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 all over the place. Look, and I don't like picking on readers, but I'm not on staff anymore. I don't get paid, so I'm going to do it. But there was a fan pass, a fan post posted last week, and I feel okay picking on this this person because they only just signed up for the site like that day to make this post, talking about the rumor where the Astros are interested in Degrom. Well, first of all, no duh, they're interested in Degrom. The Mets are terrible, and he's the best or second best pitcher on that team. Everybody's interested in Degrom. That doesn't mean he's available. So anyway, this reader of ours posts a fan post and says. I don't want to trade Tucker, but if I were to return a player like DeGrom, then I'm on board. My first offer, meaning is negotiable, my first offer would be Bregman, Fisher, and Martes, plus another filler and a player to be named later for DeGrom. I'm... There is not a GM in the league who would turn that offer down with with glee they would accept that immediately before hanging up on the first phone conversation. And, and I don't know how to convey that to people. I don't know how to convey that just because Fisher is in AAA and Bregman hasn't become Chris Bryant immediately and Martes is struggling at the major league level that they really haven't lost value. These are guys that everybody on our site thought were absolutely completely and utterly untradeable at this time last year and Bregman was the number 1 prospect in baseball. It just I don't understand. Can you explain it to me? <laughs> I, okay, maybe I'm weird. I've never even thought of any of these conversations about any of these trades, can any of these top line starters that Alex Bregman would be included in the trade. It, it doesn't make any sense. At Bregman's name is all over the 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 radio airwaves it's all over the internet he's like prime candidate right now to be traded it's I, like that's crazy it's I'm, crazy i'm pretty certain that 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 your three starters in the infield for at least what what when's the first guy that i guess maybe is the correa's contract they would run out first before uh altuve has team options coming up starting in 2019 okay so team options for uh, jose altuve which are still the i uh, i Arguably 2018, the, I'm sorry, his first option year is next year. Uh, well, when I'm, we're talking about uh, Chris Archer's being contract being the best in baseball, it may, it may be uh, Jose Altuve still. Um, but I would, I would put Altuve second just because his contract is up after 2019. Mm. So, ah, okay. So, and, and, I, and I think it's irrelevant because I think the Astros are going to extend him this offseason. Fair enough. Point is, I'm just saying that, that, Sorry, there's going to be no, no. You're not interrupting me, but uh, but saying that there are three spots on that infield that are going to be set for at least two more years. Cheap, cheap, cheap. I mean, they're going to get a, a lot less cheap pretty soon. Yeah, I'm just saying if it, it's a lot cheaper than you know, say signing Carlos Correa out of free agency. <laughs> Oh man, that's gonna be. Well, I don't think any of us will be around for the site when the Astros have to resign Carlos Correa. <laughs> Not looking forward to the post that would involve that. Um, I, 
I if uh, I'm going to put a nail on the head in this this trade conversation because I feel like uh, they, we're we've kind of narrowed it down to what what the Astros. There's no need in the, in the lineup. I don't think there's any key guy that you would want to bat that you need to add here. If you're if I were to tell you, we 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 already talked about Brad Hand in our last po- podcast here, and maybe if I were to say, hey, the Astros need to upgrade one starting pitcher. And I ask you, no matter who the target is, of anyone that the Astros have been linked to right now, who is the guy you're trying to start to get a deal for? I'm I'm trying to get Jay Happ back. Jay Happ back from the Blue Jays. Okay. He has been he's he's thirty going to be he's 34 years old. Okay, and he's still under contract next year. So meaning they get to keep him all of next year too. And he has been phenomenal since 2015. Um, he's, he's striking out batters more than ever. He still doesn't walk anybody. Um, and the blue Jays, I, I presume don't have Jay Happ in their medium term future plans. Um, like I said, he's 34 years old and he's only got a year left on his contract after this year. That is the type of guy that I think the Astros should target. Um, and keep in mind, he's playing well. I'm not talking about targeting an older guy who's struggling or anything like that. Uh, you know, there's other other names out there that are probably similar, but he's the one that's forefront in my mind. So basically, you were saying this, the, the Scott Casimir 2.0 dude. Yeah, except um, I yeah, mean, be- yeah, pretty much. Be- better intangibles. There's another year of control, etc. But uh, just saying that that you're not necessarily shooting for the hey, let's. Let's go find the Randy Johnson deal instead. You're finding right. the, the the Scott Casmer deer, and I think. Right, but there's there's always several guys like that out there. I mean, we don't have to go for the ace. You know, when when the Astros traded for Scott Casmer, that that deal was genius because Casmer was one of the best pitchers in the major leagues that year. And yeah, he didn't pitch as well when he came over for the Astros, but he helped. They made the playoffs. I mean, yeah. so. I think that's that is the kind of guy they need to like now they, they need to get now I think Hap is a good choice um because he does have another year of contract you know contract control so they have him for next year if he keeps pitching well great if he doesn't well cut him so rather than rather than mortgage everything in the future for a name like DeGrom even though he'd be awesome um I just would rather them see – I'd rather them get somebody who can be, let's say, 80% of DeGrom, not have to spend that fortune, and they'll be fine. They're already the best – arguably the best team in baseball. Okay, so I'm going to throw one guy out here because I just want to – I feel like we're on the same page with that because I I just don't see the Astros making this big deal. And and maybe that's not good podcast content to say that, but – I think the other guy has enough about, nonsense out there with us adding to it, Ryan. Yeah, it's that I think I got another guy in that vein that we've had the recent uh, rumor of is Jeff Samarja would be another guy that would be in that same vein. Yeah, um, I go back and forth about that. So Samarja is a lot better pitcher than people give him credit for, but he's also not great. Um, but the biggest thing that worries me about that is his contract. He's under contract until 2020, which will be his age 35 and 36 season. The problem with that, which I mean, obviously it's great. You get a guy under control like that, even if he's expensive. Great. As long as he pitches well. But the problem with that is that in, in 2019 and 2020, as I've talked about before, the Astros are going to start getting expensive. And I don't really think the Astros are going to want $18 million of Jeff Samarja on their payroll in 2019 and 2020 when they have to um, do something about a Jose Altuve contract and start giving arbitration to McCullers and Correa. You know what I mean? No, I agree. So, I, agree. So I saw I saw the rumors this week of him being linked with the Astros. Uh, it wasn't clear how strongly linked. Um, on this one, though, I don't think I'm buying it. Uh, he's a decent pitcher, so I wouldn't necessarily complain if they if they sign him. I think he'd be the type of quality pitcher they need to be targeting. Um, but I would I would worry a little bit about the back end of that contract. I, I totally agree with that aspect here. I think at some point you have to say that the Astros payroll is going to get get expensive, even more expensive, even with 
with all the people that are going to be having to get paid here, I'm, I guess. And they have that, a terrible TV deal. Yeah. And they have a terrible TV deal. But at some point, it's going to pay off that, that all these people are coming back to the ballpark. Um, and no matter what the ownership or whomever says, it's uh, it's not cheap to go to a ball game now in Houston. Um, right. But I don't, I don't think. I, I mean, I we're talking. I, we're talking I, I, about yeah. a I mean, lot you know, of money in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> you no, know, I know. I mean, I'm just saying that's it's it's another guy that that it's not necessarily. I think the asking price will not be that high. I I just think it's the same kind of story. Yes, there's a bigger price tag attached to it, which makes you a lot more hesitant. But it's just a, a a guy and a team that's struggling really hard right now, trying to figure out which direction they want to go in the future here. It may be somewhere in that same vein of Scott Casimir of saying, "Hey, let's." Let's get get some assets while we still can on this guy, right? Because I'm sure the Giants are sitting sure. here saying that, that they've got that that contract sitting around their neck as well. Oh, the Astros would. I mean, the the Giants would love to trade him. There's no doubt that the Giants would love to trade Samarja. They're a bad team, and he's horribly expensive. He's not getting younger, and he's not pitching particularly well. Um. So, yeah, I just I would be really upset, and this is why I don't think the Astros are going to do it. I would be really angry if in the year 2020 the Astros can't afford one of Altuve, Correa, or Springer because they traded for Jeff Samarja in 2017 when they're already at 61 wins in July. Right. When that does, when that, if that does happen, we're going to just going to sit yeah. here and you're going to put a put a reminder in 2020 at the right at the beginning of the season and be like, well, I need to write my magnum opus you know, of anger. Well, that's just right. It's entirely possible that in the year 2020, you know, just theoretically speaking, Correa, Altuve, Springer, and McCullers could be $80 million just by themselves. Yeah. It's it's not out of the realm of possibility. And Maybe can, 75. And it, can, <laughs> it continues that narrative that Dallas Keuchel will be wearing another uniform soon. Uh, you know, I don't want to see that, but at the same time, his whole career, I think I'm going to worry that he's going to wind up Basically, um, well, name just escaped me. Who was the pitcher for the Diamondbacks? It was the extreme ground baller that just got hurt in his early 30s and never pitched the same again. Won a Cy Young Award. and Oh, I know exactly. I know the face you're looking at, you're talking about here. Oh, that's killing me. There's like 17,000 people listening to this going, it's this guy. Anyway, you know the guy. Brandon I mean. Webb. Brandon Webb, yes. There's so many similarities. and He burned me so bad in a fantasy league that, that I just, you know, I worry. Um, let's not worry about Keiko extension for now. I hope he stays an Astro and keeps dominating. I, yeah, I just feel like that's the, if you were to, if you're do the map out in the future, then that he's the odd man out on the payday. It's, it's certainly possible. Well, let's talk about not thought theoretical things. Let's talk about how good some guys are doing right now. Chris, can you talk to me? How good Jose Altuve is doing right now? Jose Altuve is really good, Ryan. Really good. How good? Really good. How good? How good is he? Well, Johnny, so so far this year, correct me if I'm wrong, everybody has been talking about Correa, Springer, you know, Reddick and McCann are having nice years and getting a lot of accolades. Um, you know, Marwin Gonzalez and Jake Marisnik with their ridiculous breakout years off the bench. You know who nobody's really talking about is it's Jose Altuve. That little guy at second? Yeah. Nobody's really talking about him. Have you heard like many people talk about him much this year? I'm sorry. I, I couldn't hear anything over the talk about Aaron Judge. It's, it's <laughs> tough. Very true. Very true. Did you know Jose Altuve is having the best year of his career and it's not really close? Uh, no, I did not know that. He, he is. Okay. So let's set the stage here. So Jose Altuve, okay, in his one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh season as a major leaguer, at the tender age of just turned 27, okay, he has he's hitting 349 with a 419 on base percentage and a 553 slugging percentage. All three of those numbers are career highs, okay. Mm-hmm. His weighted runs created plus is 162. That's a career high by a lot. That's 12 percent better than his best season ever. Okay, he's on pace. For 27 home runs and 36 stolen bases. So he's almost going to be a 30-40 guy. Um, 
here's the here's the fun part. Okay, he's on pace for an eight point one wins above replacement. Okay, eight point one since the year twenty ten. There are only 11 seasons, 11 player seasons, where a player has had better than an 8.1. Four of those seasons were Mike Trout. Okay? That's how good Jose Altuve has been this year. To make it even more fun, do you remember 2015, Ryan? Yes, I do. I do, too. 2015 was the year that Jose Altuve basically put the Astros on his back and drug them into the playoffs. Jose Altuve had a 4.5 war that year, 4.5 wins above replacement. Right now, on July 15th, 2017, Jose Altuve has a 4.5 war for 2017. He has the same war so far this year, one game after the All-Star break, as he did the entirety of 2015. So, (laughs) Jose Altuve is having, by far, the best year of his career. He's by far, legitimately, by far, the best player on the Astros team this year, and nobody's talking about him. I mean, what do you say? When it, when is it too early to talk about Jose Altuve to the Hall of Fame? I, I don't think that it's too early. It's more – I think the Hall of Fame talk is, again, like the MVP talk I was talking about earlier, the target moves because yeah. because if he's not doesn't wear that uniform that says Boston on it or New York or L.A., or St. Louis, or whomever, Chicago, the target becomes something different. Now, Jose Altuve will not have as much trouble because he's endeared himself to the national stage way more than Craig Biggio or Jeff Bagwell ever did. But if Jose Altuve continues to hit the, hit these marks, and let's say he doesn't hit 3,000, get 3,000 hits. Oh, please. I'd say he still gets in if he gets close. He'd have to fall apart to not get there. Let me let me put that into context, okay? Okay. Not just about his current pace, because um, you know players do slow down right, right, right. by the end of their career, and I think it's fair to expect Jose Altuve to do that same as everybody else, okay? But at at his current pace, which includes, okay, keep in mind that for the first four full seasons of Jose Altuve's career, he was just a guy, or first three seasons. And in 2014, he was better than just a guy, but he didn't have the power, didn't do a lot of things, okay? So the first full three seasons of Jose Altuve's career, he was he was just a guy. Can we agree? Yes, yes. Okay, so then at his current pace, if you if you consider that at the end of his career, maybe for the last three or four seasons, he's going to be just a guy again, it's fair to say that his current pace more or less can be characterized as, you know, um, the same pace he can do for his career. He's capable of doing for his whole career. Okay, I said that to say this. At his current pace of getting hits, he is on pace to reach 3,000 hits by the time he turns 35 Okay. Now, I'm not done. Only one player in history has ever gotten to 3,000 hits faster, and he was the first person ever elected into the Hall of Fame. That was Ty Cobb. Even Pete Rose didn't hit 3,000 hits until he turned 37 years old. So even if Jose Altuve slows off just a little bit of his current pace, He's still going to get the 3,000 hits faster than almost anybody else in history. That's how good he's been so far. We are watching this, and the really funny part about all this to me is that nobody's talking about him. He's old news. He's so good, and he's been so good for so long. He's old news. And he's only 27. And what do you say? It's just like you can't respond to that. I'm more I'm just saying, okay um... – I mean, what what what's the figure that you have to do to keep him here in Houston is really kind of like it, it, it's it, it's a, in my mind at some point you say who's going to be more expensive, Jose Altuve or Carlos Correa? Okay, I mean, so so for me, and and this is just me, okay, and this is just gut Chris talking. I think it's more important that the Houston Astros keep Jose Altuve in Houston than Carlos Correa if they have to make a choice. Um, I think it's. Very possible, very possible that Jose Altuve, when it's all said and done, is the better player. 
I also think that he means more to the Astros in an Astros uniform than Carlos Correa does. And I also think Carlos Correa is going to go to the Yankees, but that's beside the point. I, I, I personally think the Astros should do whatever it takes to hold on to Jose Altuve until he just can't put on his cleats anymore. But that's just me. I think that, yeah, we'll, we'll get down a rabbit hole of saying who would be more likely to get injured and then who will likely go to the spotlight. I think you're right about Correa that I, I think he's not he, he's not long for this small spotlight if you'd wants it. Like, yeah, and I, I mean, I love Carlos Correa. I want the Astros to hang on to him and Springer and Altuve forever. Um, realistically, I wouldn't put good odds on that happening. And if they have to pick two of the three, I might pick Springer and Altuve. And that's really hard to say because I really like Carlos Correa. <laughs> well, anyway. I, I think that's it. Let's not let's not go down the rabbit hole. That's uh, that that uh, endeavor until we have to get to it. Um, I, I think we can settle for the fact that Jose Altuve may be one of the best players and, and, and easily maybe one the best player in Astros history. Uh, when it's all said and done. Oh, I think that this point, if he stays with the Astros, like I like I hope he will, that there's no doubt he will end up being the best Astro in, in, in uh, franchise history. Was there anything else you wanted to bring Astros fans down back to reality about? Yeah, there's there's just been a little too much positivity lately. I mean, it's just a little too much, and sometimes we get so excited that we hardly know how to handle it. So, you know, this is a public service we provide with this podcast, Ryan. So um, I'm going to help Astros fans bring their expectations down to a, a little bit more sobering reality level, okay? Now, I know I haven't really discussed this with you, so I want to hear your honest reaction to these things. Of course. There are some very serious things about the Astros that need to be pointed out that they, they cannot be as good as everybody thinks they are. Okay. You ready? Mm-hmm. I got four of them. The first one. Okay, Ryan, the Astros really are playing over their heads right now. Okay. There's all sorts of statistical reasons for it. How dare the, you? The reality is they almost certainly will regress all the way back down to a 650 winning percentage. Now, I'm sorry to break that to you. I think that's fair. 650, okay? <laughs> this this whole 672 thing, no. Yeah, that's just a little too much. 650, this is a 650 per winning percentage team. We're just going to have to come to grips with that fact. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So here's some other news, okay? Over the last month, the Astros starting pitcher spit starting pitching has been very good. Their ERA has been 3.83. That's the fourth best starting rotation ERA in the major leagues. Okay. There's some bad news there. Okay. So they've had a starting rotation with a 3.83 ERA fourth best in the majors. The bad news is that they cannot continue that level of production because most of the guys who are responsible for that won't be in the rotation much longer. The Astros are getting back. Morton, McHugh, and Keuchel. So I'm really sorry. Peacock, Fires, Paulino, Musgrove, and Martes can't carry the club anymore. They're going to be replaced. So that's that's some more bad news. Are you okay with that? I mean, how, how does that make you feel on the inside? Warm and tingly. No, that was really – well, I'm trying to bring you down here, Ryan. Uh, All right. Let me, I, let me try. I, I, okay. I just want to see Colin McHugh pitch again. That's all really. I'm just, that's yeah, I just don't feel like you're taking me seriously here. You know, the, the Astros really aren't as good as they have been. Okay, here's another example. Okay, everybody, you're geeking out about George Springer. Okay, calling him the MVP of the team and everything. But I got some news for you. He is not going to hit 50 home runs this year. He's not. Okay. If you just look at the math, he's on pace for 49. He's just not going to get there. Okay. So don't set your expectations too high. But Aaron Judge is supposed to be the MVP this season. <laughs> Look, I'm just telling you, trying to bring you down to reality. Okay, he's not a 50 home run hitter. He's a 49 home run hitter. Okay, 
Just not there yet. And and finally, you know, the Astros only had five All Stars. It's a little disappointing six because six All Stars. It's a little disappointing because you know it, it tell what that tells us is that Marwin Gonzalez and his nine eighty three OPS, Josh Reddick with eight eighty eight. They really aren't that good. Okay, if they were that good, they would have been in the All Star break. Okay? Well, they would have, would have been All Stars. Matter of fact, they're just straight trash. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so that's my public service. Okay. Now, is everybody back down off of their high horse, taking this a little bit more seriously now? I'm just in the dumps. I'm just in the dumps. Well, I mean, I wasn't trying to trying to do that, but you know, I'd I'd rather you be there and be pleasantly surprised than be a little too eager. Okay. So what you're saying is, I need to have a trade that make me all happy again. Right for, for Chris Archer. For Chris Archer. Yes, okay. Good to know. So uh, speaking of the rotation, though, um, what what do you think the rotation is going to look like in a couple weeks? Oh, thank you for that. I was about to do that transition there. <laughs> yeah, but I've been talking the, for like an hour. It's no, we're turn. on the same. We're on the same page. That's I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm happy with that. All right. <laughs> so we have right now, as you spoke about, is uh, Colin McHugh and Dallas Keuchel are both going on rehab assignments in uh, Corpus Christi. Uh, enjoy that, Hooks, Hooks fans. I'm very jealous uh, to, to see major league pitching in a small ballpark. It's pretty damn fun. You know, but obviously those two guys are going to get interjected in. You know Morton's going to be number three. You know you've got uh, McCullers as well here. So you've got four spots that are locked up. And you've got Fires, Peacock, Musgrove, Martez. Martez has already said that I believe uh, uh, AJ Hinch has already said he's going to long relief, if not uh, AAA. So we've got scratch him off the list. You've got Fires, Peacock, and Musgrove. I feel like this is a, a in a few weeks ago. This is a harder question. Um, the clear guy for number five spotted to me is is Mike Fires, and you move Peacock back to the bullpen. You send Musgrove to AAA. That's but I. I I can. You're right. The question was a lot more interesting a couple weeks ago. It seems kind of pretty clear now. It, Musgrove has. Falling apart for all intents and purposes of not necessarily being a bad pitcher, but being not necessarily on the level of the other six guys that are in the hunt. Yeah, he's been 2013 Dallas Keuchel. Right. A guy that's still trying to figure things out. A guy that Mm -hmm. I saw in person against the Red Sox, one of the most formidable lineups in the major leagues, be ready to, to dominate them for four innings. And then just had a few mistakes and it all unraveled right there. Uh, I believe in the sixth inning form there. Yep, he's a good pitcher. I just, I just don't think that. Um, I think he, I think this is good experience for him to be in the major leagues this year, and I think he needs to go back down to AAA and pitch a lot and work on the things that were giving him trouble in the majors. And then next year, he'll come up and dominate, no problem. Now, between between Mike Fires and Brad Peacock, it comes down to I do not trust Mike Fires coming out of the bullpen more than I Agreed. trust Brad Peacock coming out of the bullpen in two. I feel like at some point Brad Peacock's going to hit a wall. And that's not a slight against him, but he's been pitching out of the bullpen, which I feel like has more wear and tear on his arm. And eventually will have it take its toll on him. I want to see him be successful out of the bullpen because I feel like that's his spiritual role. And I want him to continue to cultivate that and be more successful so he can use him again for next year. Um, Both Peacock and Fires are, are living on the edge. Um, Fires really has been living on the edge. Um, he he gives up a lot of hits, and his home run rate is still really high. So, truthfully, at this point, I would feel more comfortable with Brad Peacock in a fifth starter role than Mike Fires. However, I think, like you said, Brad Peacock is better suited to go to the bullpen than Fires is. So... I'm I'm a little bit torn on that subject because I I don't share your same fear about Peacock. He does have walk issues, but he does everything else amazingly. So his his underlying peripherals and everything, his FIP and everything, are all still very good. Mike Fires really aren't. Um, his walk rates up this year. His home run rate is up. Uh, he has been living on the edge in the sense that his ERA has been significantly better than his peripherals indicate that it should be. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of shrug. I think I'm with you. I think I do put Brad Peacock back in the bullpen, but 
um, with Mike Fires, I've got Martes on on speed dial. I've got Musgrove on speed dial. I've got Peacock ready to go back into the rotation at at the drop of a hat. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's what I'd do, but I wouldn't be particularly happy about it. Uh, Mike Fires has been a good addition to the Astros, um, but he makes me a little nervous. Okay, so. Uh, I, just because I feel like we're, we've kind of hit the near the end of this this podcast here, I want to scare you. Oh, Get, okay, that sounds guess, fun. Guess who was taken out of the game uh, today? Oh, I'm not watching. Who? Kyle Tucker. No. What, what time was the game? Uh, it was like during the podcast. Jimmy Jimmy from uh, Astros Future tweeted it out. No, no worries. Oh, he was pulled in the fourth inning. <laughs> Yikes. So this wasn't like he was scratched before the game. He was pulled out in the middle of the game. Any news on anything actually happening? I, I bet it was not. It's not trading related. All right. Well, either way, I guess we better stay on, not, if not on air, at least on Skype for a little bit. <laughs> your, uh, your Dono Alvarez was also scratched, but he was for injury. So. No, that's not good. Now, by the way, that guy, man, he's he looks legit. Did you watch the Futures game there? No, I missed it. I'm really mad because I thought uh, I thought it was on later than it was, and I, I missed it by a day. Man, it was good. All three Astros prospects looked so good, so good. <laughs> you know, and it's it's funny because I don't know. It just seems like every year or so we get a first base prospect who is you know the next big thing. Um, I feel a li- it's weird. I feel a little better about Alvarez than I do about some of the other ones. And I don't know if that's just because he's hasn't been around long enough for me to get uncomfortable with him. But you figure one of these years between <laughs> between Brett Wallace and John Singleton and AJ Reed and Colin Moran and now Jordan Alvarez, eventually the Astros will figure out how to develop a first baseman. It, there has to be some level of trial and error at this point. Yeah. You want to, you want to hear any, another prospect news before we end the podcast here? Yeah, let's do it. Forrest Whitley. Oh man, dominant. Went, went five innings for Bowie Creek, Bowie's Creek today. Struck out ten. That dude, <laughs> he's been amazing. Um, and um, he's in high A now at age nineteen. That's fantastic. Yeah, he's blowing the doors off of everybody this year. Um, he's a guy who's going to rock it up to the top of the of the prospect list, and there's been a lot in the news about him being one of the, the absolute steals of the draft last year. And I think you probably can uh, talk about uh, another guy here uh, from the Astros dra- 2017 draft last year. Was it uh, why am I blanking on it? What's the first J.A. Bukowskis or J.B.? J.B.? I don't know. Honestly, I didn't follow the draft this year because I'm a terrible person. Um, but I, I will say this, though. Um, no matter what the talking heads say about Bukowskis, he is not going to be in the major leagues this year. He's just not. This is not going to happen. It almost never, ever, ever, ever happens. And the Astros really don't have so much of a need that they're going to call up a guy who was in college earlier this year to play in September during a a the best season in the history of the franchise. It's just not going to happen. They're not going to put that pressure on him, and they're not going to take that risk. Okay, so uh, since we're talking about Bukowskis here, and, and kind of we talked about it before the podcast here of just saying. It's good the Astros locked up all their draft picks after uh, a few years of that not necessarily being a certainty. Um, and uh, just kind of notating on he may be a guy that, that, that falls in that Forrest Whitley frame of uh, being a steal because a lot of guys didn't like his size. Uh, but he has arguably one of the best breaking pitches in the in the draft period, a guy that could have been in the top 10 in a lot of, a lot of, pros- uh, a lot of mock drafts. I forgot where I was going with this. No, he had a great college career at a, a oh. very good baseball program. I mean, it, it is a little surprising that he fell as far as he did. Okay. Um, the, by I, the way, real quick. Oh, go ahead. Finish I was up. Say, what I remembered from why I was saying this is, uh, Chris, you didn't follow the draft necessarily close as years past, but I'm sure you know what side of the plate Mr. Bukowskis throws from. Um, He appears to be a right-handed pitcher, yes. What exactly do the right the Astros have in plenty, in abundance, in absolute uh, a smorgasbord of 
side of the mound that they uh, most of their pitchers throw from, especially from the bullpen. You know, if they're dominant, do we really care? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying lefty or righty, but I'm just saying, is there a role that Bukowski's could even fill if you don't have if you already right. have? It? Oh, I see where you're going with it. Yeah, no, I it's it's so funny. It's the hyperbole. Oh, this guy's major league ready. Okay, so what if he is? They're not going to call him up. It's it's too risky. Is he? Well, I'm saying, is he better than? I mean, really, the, the list is getting down to, hey, does he better than the second left-hand option that they, they that they sign or call up or trade for, like their, uh, 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 Oliver a few years ago uh, that the Astros pulled the trigger on, or is it the uh, is it he better than James Hoyt? Uh, it's like that you're getting down to those kind of conversations. That's who he's going to have to battle out. He's not beating out. Will Harris, he's not bringing out Brad Peacock. He's not going to beat out Luke Gregerson. He's or even gonna, Michael Feliz, right? Right. He's not going to beat out Ken Giles. He's the guy will not have a role because just like every other playoff, uh, any other sport, your your rotation gets smaller. You rely right. on the guys that got you there. You don't uh, you? you a baseball team has to get through 162 games. So Michael Feliz is going to pitch way more innings in the regular season than he is in the playoffs. Michael Feliz is going to get called on maybe once or twice through all three four series the Astros have to play through or whatever it is. Right. By the way, um, you were correct, sort of. He goes by JB, but his name is actually, um, where'd it go? I saw it somewhere. I know his, I was say, his, middle the, na- his middle name is Allen. What the heck so is his a JB? actual? Yeah, Jacob Allen. So his real name is Jacob Allen Bukowskis, and he goes by JB, as in like Jacob Bukowskis, I guess. But I can totally see why you thought it was JA. That's not your fault. It's not your fault, Ryan. It's not your fault. So now I'm not going to go back and edit that out. Just no, 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 no. It's it's not your fault. It's not not me being on like four hours of sleep again because I have to do the weekend paper. <laughs> it's not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do this to it's me, man. man. <laughs> but to your point, you know the Astros have some good arms down at AAA too. It's not like it, there's not like they're hurting for right-handed pitchers. So, mm-hmm. I don't know if I can get on board with that. Triple A rotation and bullpen have been kind of rough. Yeah, they're getting better because they're now moving everybody up. But before it started the season, a lot, a lot of, a lot of uh, rookie free agents or uh, not rookie free agents, uh, minor league free agents that, that trying to fill the gaps. Sure, but we know more about those guys than we do about Bukowskis. Fair enough. Saying. Fair enough. This has gotten exciting really quickly. I think this is a good stopping point. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> Maybe we should end on some sort of a high note or something interesting at least. Come on, I'm still waiting for some trade news to drop here. Hey, hey, if anyone's listening still, please reach out to us on Twitter. We just want to hear. We just want to give you credit. That's all. Yeah, we'll, we'll no, give you a shout uh, yeah. out. Please do. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Please go rate us and review us on iTunes. How we get better and how we expand the uh, podcast. Please check us out on our website at the crawfish boxes. It's actually just the crawfish boxes.com. Uh, check us out on Facebook. Uh, just search the crawfish boxes. Check us out on Twitter at crawfish boxes. Chris, where can the fine people find you on the interwebs? Just CR Perry 13, actually at CR Perry 13 on Twitter. See what I did there. Any, anything you're working on? I, maybe, maybe if I give you a hint, uh, I'd say you put those uh, those uh, two two vague words or verbalizations you had into actual words and on a page so I can put it on the interwebs. Yeah, I guess I will. There's enough there that I can probably do that. Just 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 two hundred words. That's all. Just, <laughs> all right. Just just a little bit. Just, I'll, oh, make a, I'll, I, make a, I'll make a my pretty, check in the mail. Uh, I'll make you a pretty graphic for it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's worth it, right? What are you working on? I'm catching up on the sites. That's the the Chris Paul thing has got the 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 dream shake all of Twitter. Uh, things may be changing over at Battle Red Blog soon. This Stuff is a busy going on. Time in the life of Dunsmores. Yeah, and on top of that, I've got a nine month old now, and. Uh, uh, Football season's about to start. I have to start get planning out the football special section for the seven high schools I cover. 
right. Oh, hey, so I introduced my four-year-old son to MLB The Show today, and they've got a great retro uh, retro feature where you can play basically just with one button, like an old-school Nintendo. Nice. And uh, I'm a nice dad. I'm a good dad. Tell me if I'm parenting right, okay, Ryan? I let my son play as the Astros. Good I dad. did. Good dad. So I'm a good, good dad. dad. Um, by the third inning, I was winning 37-6. to six. Bad dad. Bad dad. Is it? Is it? Yeah, I get me. I don't know. <laughs> well, what, no, what you do? Okay, let's let's let's. As a person who has done this many a time with video games here, you you, you yeah, but your take, son's like one. I, I'm not not I'm not doing it with him yet. Not him. I'm just saying as experience, experience. What you got to do is say, okay, all right, you're the Astros, and what you do is you pick. You're actually the Astros, and you set him up as whatever other team. And then you put the you smoke him forty one to whatever and he thinks he's doing it. <laughs> That's smart, smart. But I'm not a liar. Fine, fair enough. <laughs> but that may also make you a bad dad then. Yep, I guess. I don't know. All right. That's a better ending than before. Me being a terrible father and destroying my four year old son before he can even read. That's no, a good no, way to end no, it, don't no, you think? No, 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 no. You're just preparing him for one day when he smoked you in return with the regular buttons. True. I, I did take a picture so I could keep this for posterity. Nurse, I need a witness. <laughs> my son abused my dad abused me when I was four. He he beat the crap out of me on MLB the show when I was four. Yeah, you can find me over on Twitter at d underscore mre55. Uh, as Chris has uh, already gotten tailed for me, uh, I've got a lot of things going on. So, thank you for listening. And go Astros. Listen, uh...